You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. God bless you. So it's really good to be here again. It's been a, been a couple of weeks, so I'm always missed. I love having. This is my birthday gift. I asked for it. I said, "What, what do you want for birthday?" And I said, "Let me share my word with you." So share the word of God with everyone. So let's just open with a real quick prayer. Father, we're just we're thankful that you want to release revelation to us about the very character of your heart a heart that's reaching us and touching us, forming us and changing us. We ask, Lord, Lord, that that heart makes us see. It gives us sight for your children that you want us to touch. It gives us sight for those around us that are moving. And they're not sure exactly why, but for some reason they bumped into us. Let us have a word for them. We just thank you, Lord, for this blessing that you've given us. And we thank this in Jesus' name. Also, I ask to bless the people who are listening to this on the podcast, whether it be you listen to it for the second time because you couldn't understand me here. So, but those that don't know, we have a podcast. If you go to our website, uh, there's a podcast you can listen to. So if you not, if you're ever miss a week, you always pick up the sermon there, and whether it be Rick or I. Also, they mentioned in the announcements, June the second is our kind of our family uh, dinner. And so please mark that on your calendars because I know it kind of gets to you fast. That's two weeks from now. So I know how I am about things. If I don't hear something like three or four times, it must not have been important. And that's what my wife says. I told you twice, need three. So, all right. So this morning I just want to look at a little bit how we look at people, how, how God works with people. And I'm just going to use a few examples from the Bible today to see where we fit into the picture. I, guess, I always like to do that because what's really cool about the, with the, the Bible story is the narrative always actually includes you, even whether you know it or not. And so find your place in the story is very important. So I, I just wanna, I think it's, a couple of these stories are pretty interesting. Uh, we're actually moving back before the, the crucifixion now back to the road, working his way to Jerusalem. So we're going to start in Luke 19. And this, first, verse 1, it starts with Zacchaeus. Now, it says he, that's, of course, that's Jesus. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man call, called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was, he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Wow. Loaded. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable to because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. When they, they, when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, he's gone to be the guest of the man who's a sinner. Wow. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. 
For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, so we understand the story a little bit. Jericho is a very wealthy city. And, and it was at the foot of Mount Zion, which Jerusalem's on the top of it. So there's a difference in elevation of about 3,500 feet. So people would go through Jericho and then start their way up. And so you hear about the road to Jericho from Jerusalem. That's downhill. This one's uphill. So, and it was a very, very important trade city. And it was a center for important politicians. A lot of politicians, they like to retire there and so forth. And so this is a perfect place for a politically connected wealthy man like Zacchaeus to set up. And many, I don't know about you, how many of you have ever heard of Zacchaeus? How many heard about him in like Sunday school and you kind of think he's like a little Danny DeVito kind of guy and he's like, hey, 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 and climbs up a tree. You know, we're getting the wrong image. This is a horrible man. He's not just a tax collector, he's the boss. He's like a mafia don. For those of you who don't know how the tax collection worked, is the, ta the Roman government would tell them, I need to collect, I don't know, $100,000. So the tax collectors would go out and they would collect like 125 and keep the difference. And the Romans allowed that. Now Zacchaeus, he would have been the type that if, if I'm a tax collector and Marcus isn't choking it up here, and I'm saying, hey buddy, come on. And Marcus goes, no, no, no. He could call the Roman army and swoop down and wipe him out. This is not a nice little cute fellow, okay? So they hated him. He, he would be someone who would normally have bodyguards around him because he would always be a subject for an assassin. So this is not the cute little character. But th this, is, this is really, and um, by the way, when you talk about extortion, that's, the, that's his game because he could also use his power to extort people that I'll, I'll just collect more taxes from you if you don't give me this, this, or this. I mean, it, oh my gosh. The, the stories I read about this about in the historical journals, it was unbelievable. But here, look at, look at Zacchaeus. He is totally out of character. And first of all, no self-respecting Middle Eastern man would run. Now you say, why is that? You never show your legs. And the only way you can run with those robes is you have to lift it up like a woman does a dress and run. And so your legs are totally exposed in order to run. Otherwise, you, you don't have, can't run. The other thing is, he's not going to climb a tree. Now, a sycamore tree in the Middle East is a little different than some of the sycamore trees here. These are those kind of trees that would grow up about, I don't know, six foot, seven foot tall, so around there. And then it's the, the, they'd branch out and go really wide. And so if you saw a tree, it would come up with a thick trunk and then have a, a, a cap on it that went real wide. So it was really, really common for, for people to go under a sycamore tree to teach because it was in the shade. You got the, the air blowing there. And so that's why he probably thought Jesus was going to stop at the, that tree is because he figured if he's going to sit there and teach, I'll be right there. So <clears throat> now... Look what happens. Notice the two words real quick. He says, hurry, hurry. Jesus tells him to hurry, then he, then he hurries down. 
There's a sense of urgency for Jesus when he calls him out. And so Jesus looks at him, calls him by name, and says, I must, meaning I have like an appointment with you. I've got to go to your house today. And, and verse 6 is very important. It says he received him. Do you understand what, what that means is, in the Middle East, if you receive someone, that you would have given them like a hug or a kiss on the cheek. You would have given them a traditional greeting, and you have treated one another as equals. So Jesus is not looking at this guy like, this guy's a mess, and I need to help this poor guy out. It, with a tone of a moral character difference. He's looking at him as a brother. It's a very, very different way of receiving. Remember that word receive. We see that in the Bible a lot. Receive, receive, receive. They did not accept Jesus because why? They did not receive him. And so, so he receives Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus accepts this invitation. Everything's going great. Zacchaeus is so excited. And then what happened? Grumbling. All the people start that, what in the world? Does Jesus know who he is? You know, no, 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 Jesus, not this guy. They start the grumbling. And I know Zacchaeus, because I heard the grumbling. It took me until I was 45 years old to accept Christ, because anytime I went to a church, a lot of people grumbled. I heard it a lot. Or people go, um, are you coming back to this church? Or, uh, you know, you know I, I laughed. One of the funniest things I ever heard was a pastor at the Desert Vineyard teaching a class. And he said, one of the ways their church grows is all the other churches send them people. <laughs> because they go, I think maybe you should go to the vineyard in, in Desert Vineyard because they don't have any standards. <laughs> you know what? We don't have any standards. Zacchaeus met the standard. You know what the standard is? Answer the call. And because and, here's what I heard. Chuck, you, you know what? You, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. Your life's a mess. You're going to hell. And man, what's, you need to clean this act up to come to church. I was like, doesn't sound like I'm too welcome here. And, and I didn't go back. I heard that a lot. Now, this, this is a very welcoming church, and that's why I changed because of the vineyard. That actually, it was a Methodist church my wife took me to. That, that got started, and the vineyard helped me grow. But I just, I got to tell you that we, we sometimes miss this point. Because I hear it, I, I remember it. And, I, and almost I get flashbacks when I get that, that, that church style condemnation of, now, I thought you were Christian. Yeah, but you're in the car business. <laughs> I'm a tax collector. The dealership wants 30 grand for it, I want 31. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but, but you know what? There is that kind of condemnation that sometimes happens. I mean, Think about this for a second. Not this week. There was several months ago, one of the members of our church is, named, is also named Rick. He's an attorney. And he introduced me to the congregation when I gave a sermon. Can you imagine a church that had a lawyer introduce a car guy? 
Holy Toledo. But anyway, see, my problem was I kept getting a message that I needed to run from something. You're going to hell. You need to run from this. You do this. You need to run from that. Run, run, run. Everything was about running from something. You know, quite honestly, have I been convinced that the, if I'd have run into a Buddhist, I'd become Buddhist. If I'd have run into a Hindu, I'd been Hindu. If I'd run into a New Ager, I'd been a New Ager. Because I was running fr from something, not to anything. And almost anything would have sounded good for a while. And then I would have gone my own back to my old self. And I tried to summon those little, little things a little bit. I mean, I was never taught run to something. I was never taught to run to something. I was never taught that Jesus was going to say that there's what he says at the end of this. That look at the very, very end of this. That he came to search for the lost. Yep. He came to search for the lost. He didn't come to search for those that cleaned up their act. And the apostles, when he got them, they weren't all... You think Peter had his act together before he was asked to be an apostle? Not one of them did. Shoot, Thomas was still doubting him after he rose. So that's not the deal. Okay? I, I love, what I like is when I look at, especially when you see verse, chapter 15, look at, look at, it starts off the same way again. Let's look at verse 1 and 2. It says, Many dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners often gathered around to listen as Jesus taught the people. This raised concerns with the Jewish religious leaders and experts of the law. Indignant, they grumbled and complained, saying, Look at how this man associates with all these notorious sinners and welcomes them all to come to him. Then in response, Jesus gives him an illustration. Now, you all have probably heard the story of the hundred sheep and one is lost. It's a very short one. There was once a shepherd with a hundred lambs, but one of his lambs wandered away and was lost. So the shepherd left the 99 lambs out in the open field and searched in the wilderness for that one lost lamb. He didn't stop until he finally found it. With exuberant joy, he raised it up, placed it on his shoulders, carrying it back with, with cheerful delight. Returning home, he called all of his friends and neighbors together and said, let's have a party. Come and celebrate with me the return of my lost lamb. It wandered away, but I found it and brought it home. Jesus continued, in the same way, there will be glorious celebration in heaven over the rescue of her one lost sinner who repents, comes back home, and returns to the fold, more so than all the righteous people who ever strayed away. And by the way, that was sarcasm to the Pharisees and the scribes that think they're righteous. What, what, you know, this is a short passage. There's more in here about rejoicing, celebrating, all the activity about finding this sheep than there is about the lost sheep. I didn't know that. No one, I didn't, I, I, wasn't, I didn't see the streamers or parties when I showed up at church. Okay, the second is about a woman with 10 coins. There once was a woman with 10 valuable coins. When she lost one of them, she swept her entire house, searching, diligently searching every corner of her house for that lost coin. When she finally found it, she gathered all her friends and neighbors for a celebration, telling them, come and celebrate with me. I found my precious silver coin. Oh, I'm sorry. I lost my precious silver coin, but now I've found it. 
That's the way God responds every time one lost sinner repents and turns to him. He says to all the angels, let's have a joyous celebration for that one who was lost, I have found. Now he's got all of heaven, every spiritual being is celebrating when one turns around. I didn't know that. I thought, Chuck, if you don't start drinking, we're gonna kick you out of this church. Chuck, did, you, did I just see you smoke a cigarette around the corner of the church? We don't smoke here. No, you can't come in. No one was looking for, lost? Man, I was so lost, I didn't know I was lost. You can be that far off. You know, if you go back to Zacchaeus, you know, when all that grumbling happened though, he stopped in his tracks. Now, if you think about this, Jesus says, this house. So he must have almost walked all the way to his house. And they probably followed him grumbling. And he stops in his tracks and says, I'm gonna change my way. I'm turning it all around. I'm gonna give away half. And if anyone that I extorted or cheated, I'll pay him four times. Now the law was you had to pay him 120. He's just going off the charts. I'll pay him four times. He's re being restored. He's on a 180 turn. And then look, when you look at Jesus, it's just incredible joy. When they find the lost sheep, incredible joy. The lost coin, incredible joy. Jesus responds by restoring Zacchaeus just as he is. Not one time does he say, Zacchaeus, man, we, gotta, we gotta talk about this stuff before you start heading to your house. Not once. And you can bet that house had a party. I mean, Zacchaeus did it, probably did it right on that one. You know, we, we overlook how excited heaven is that someone has heard Jesus's voice and responded. And he may have heard it from your mouth. You spoke someone's name. You, you know, we've done three weeks now where we've talked about someone having their name spoken. Zacchaeus heard his name come from Jesus' mouth and he hurried. Rushed down, came to Jesus and received him face to face. Something really, really powerful to that. How, how that happens. I got one other story I'd like to tell you. It's written by a pastor named Rick Richardson and he's written, and he's both a pastor and a professor out of Wheaton College in Illinois. And the story is called The Big Ugly Green Station Wagon. It talks about something that happened in his childhood. I'm gonna, I'll read it to you real quick. When I was six years old, I got an unforgettable picture of God's heart. My dad was in the military, stationed in North Carolina. Across from our family's home lived a family also in the military. We had three boys, they had three girls. Each Friday on warm weather, our mom drove the six kids an hour to the beach, where we spent the day building sandcastles and wading in the waves. Then we would pile back into the big, ugly green station wagon and return home. Do anyone know what a Caprice Classic is? All right, it's, that's, that's the big ugly station wagon, actually, it was what it was. And it was green with the woody on the side. Okay. Well, one of our trips back home with us in the middle of the 15th verse of the song about Noah's arky arky and, and the animals that came in by the twosie twosies, Allison, the youngest girl, asked where Chris was. Chris was my youngest brother, three years old. 
He was a trickster, so we thought he must have been hiding somewhere in the car. We looked under the bleach blanket, we looked in the tire well, we searched the back of the car, no Chris. He must be at the beach. Mom, Chris isn't here, I reported. What? My mother responded, and at that moment, I began the ride of my life. My mother hit the brakes with magnum force. She spun that big, ugly green station wagon in a 180 turn, tires screeching and smoking. Then she put the, metal, the pedal to the metal. Would have been a 30 minute trip to the beach, took us 15 minutes. He says, I think we hit 100 miles an hour and we stayed that low because it was all that car would go. At the beach, we piled out, ran back through the archway onto the sand. We ran from guard station to guard station. And at the last one, my mother saw Chris. <coughs> Excuse me. And Chris saw my mother. They called out to each other. They ran toward each other. And then it was like a scene from a movie. My mom caught Chris in her arms, twirled him, hugging him, laughing and crying all at the same time. Chris was lost. My mother braved the curves of North Carolina roads, and it felt like, risk our, all our lives to find them. That was passionate mother love for her lost child, and only a glimmer of the passion of God for those who are lost and don't know Jesus. You know, he wants to turn this big, ugly old car around with us in it. And I sit there and I go, Jesus is letting us drive. And, and if you're happy with the number of people in your, your station wagon, that's fine. Archie, Archie, we can sing. But you know what? Let's pile as many as we can in. There's a whole lot of people at the beach who'd like a ride home. And we can, then we can have some real fun. You know, Jesus never whacks Zacchaeus and says repent. He doesn't grab the, leg, the hind leg of that lamb and drag it back. And he, didn't, he doesn't grumble when he thought I had an invitation to fellowship in my church. Jesus never grumbled. We're at the wheel. And the only requirement is they have to be asked to come. When we would be, begin a celebration of joy that the lost have been found and they want to ride with us, we have to trust Jesus and the Holy Spirit to do the rest. We need to focus on the real reasons we're in the car in the first place. For me, there's a whole lot of reasons, but really one of them that sums it up for me is Galatians, it is 22 and 23, I said Galatians 15, Galatians 5, they're not 15 of Galatians. And it just says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against all such things, there's no law. No doubt. You know, when I'm looking at that, I, I, I didn't realize what it meant until I, until I got to know Jesus. I kept running from something and didn't run to someone. And I ran to Jesus, and that's when I started to recognize this. I got love like I've never known. And it was a love that I now could share. I, I, I never had a true interpretation of love until I knew Jesus. Joy overflowing, even in the rough times. 
because we know Jesus is there in trouble. We're not, we don't ignore trouble. We don't put our hand, we're not crazy. We, yeah, we know when there's bills to pay. We know what, our, what the doctors just said. We don't stop loving and, and being joyful because Jesus is with us. It's peace that's beyond understanding. It's really peace that in the middle, I always say that I'm always in the eye of the hurricane. There's all kinds of stuff going on around me. In me, in my soul, I'm in the eye of a hurricane. Patience, we'll come back to that. <laughs> I'm still working on patience. I stand in front of a microwave yelling, come on, hurry up. <laughs> I'm the guy you see with the, if you go to the microwave, and there's three seconds left, and you're like, who did that? I couldn't wait. <laughs> Kindness, that's our form of grace to others. That's where we give grace, just as we've received grace. Goodness, goodness, that, you know what? You can't understand really goodness because God's goodness is so big, we can't understand it. I'm so convinced that God's goodness is so good that the very, very moment that I think I understand God's grace, God becomes an idol to me because it's, I've, I've turned him into what I think God is because God's just too big for me to think what he is. It's just that big. The music we played today was like so outstanding. The selection, of the, you know, the, the Vineyard Trio, by the way, they play on Wednesdays too. Um, you guys just knocked it out of the park today with, with the heart of Jesus in every one of those songs. Gosh, that was wonderful. Faithfulness. What, what builds our faith? Because we know and we experience Jesus. We don't have blind faith. Blind faith is dangerous. Do you understand that? Blind faith is dangerous. Just because someone tells me, trust me, that usually is a problem. Anyone that says you've got to trust me without giving me any experience or anything that shows his character is a scary char character. Trust me has gotten me in a lot of trouble. Trust me. <laughs> Gentleness, that's a spiritual gift. And it's an expression of love in difficult times. When we can be gentle, when, when we really want to be truthful, we really want to hammer someone sometimes when being gentle. Gentleness is when someone's going through a hard time and you really don't know what to say, You're just being gentle with them. That's a gift of the Spirit, it's, it's unbelievable. Do you notice that every single of these gifts of the Spirit are relational? They involve people. You don't, you don't love by yourself. You, you, don't, you can't have joy all by yourself. It's like a tree that falls in the forest. Is there anyone to tell it to? The last one, self-control. And this is the Holy Spirit. And this is, this is why, I, don't worry about being fixed when you're coming to Christ. Don't worry about if you're fixed. Because there's a spiritual gift called self-control. And he's going to give us the Holy Spirit. He's going to empower us to destroy the works of the evil one and to obey the truth in Jesus Christ. When Jesus says, they know me because they obey me, they, we obey him because he's empowered us to obey. We don't white-knuckle it. We always talk about that in, in Celebrate Recovery. We're white-knuckling. I'm not going to have a drink. But when I, when I go to the Holy Spirit, he, he relaxes you. Don't worry, I got this one. Let's show the world who we're running to. Let's show the world what we're running to. Let's show the world that this, this big old green ugly old car, well not an ugly car, we got a beautiful church. We're heading somewhere. We're not running away from anything. We're heading to something. That's what the vineyard is. 
It's not a club that you have to be in or out. It's all about one simple thing. Here's Jesus right in the middle. What direction are you taking? That's all we care about. We don't care how close you even have gotten to the center. What direction are you taking? Because if you're taking a direction towards Jesus, you belong here. And you're welcome here. And Jesus will take care of the rest for you. You stay with him, you stay with him. And you'll come to understand his heart because it'll be your heart. And then things will change. This is, this is how we change the world, literally. How 12, I mean, it's like the 12 stooges. How they changed the world. Because the heart of Jesus was with him. They kept, all they proclaimed was the, the wonderment of Jesus in him, in Christ. How many times can you read in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, and everything that Paul writes? Because we become in him, and he's in us, and we become one, and we become unified into the body, which is us. And so in that relationship between God and us, and his brothers and sisters, we become something very, very different. We become children of God and a family of God that he's preserved and cared for to make us who we are. So if you're new here, that's who we are. If you're old here, that's who we're, that's who we're going to stay. And if, and if you haven't been, maybe it's different. So now let's go back to the question. Who were you in all those pictures? Who were you in the story of Zacchaeus? Who were you in the story of the lost lamb? Who were you? How many of you identified with the lost and did not identify with Jesus? The one searching the lost, looking for them. Who am I, how many of you did not identify with Zacchaeus of being the guy that's calling into the tree, but the guy in the tree? See, so, you know, we, we are no longer going to be a church that looks over Jesus' shoulder going, good job, Jesus. We're going to participate in the things that, the, that God is doing. And that calling is with all of us. That imitation is with all of us. We're looking for the sheep and we'll carry them on our shoulders. Now, those of you that don't know, have never been in a farm, especially a farm that ever had sheep, you don't carry sheep on your shoulders. If you do, you're changing clothes before you get back. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's messy. You know what? Church can be a little messy. I was real messy in this church. Still am a little bit. And a whole bunch of us have been real messy in this church. And you know what? Jesus doesn't mind cleaning up the mess. And just bringing us closer and bringing us closer. And he assigns his little privates in his army to help clean up with you. Because you're never in this alone. You're always in family. So that's why those dinners are so important. That's why I love those dinners so much, where we get together, we sit around a table as a group, and we, and we got family that just talks with one another. And so when, if you know someone that, I don't know if they want to come to church or not, do they like food? <laughs> Invite them. Let them know what it's like. Because you know what? I was afraid to go to a church. My wife drug me into one. It was kind of a condition of dating her. It was, for those who don't know me, my wife is Korean, so I went to a Korean church. They spoke Korean. I thought, how, how much harm could this do? And so, so 
You know, there are a whole lot of people that really are dying, literally, to come to a church. Young people, especially. It's a tough world for young people. So I'm just going to say one thing. Those of you that don't know Christ, hop in my car. We do have fun. You know, the sinners aren't the only ones who play good music. You learn that. And we, we have a lot of fun. Because you know what? Loving each other, being joyful with each other, praying for one another, being there to support one another, having a place that loves you, it's kind of a nice place to show up on it at least once a week. I, I can't wait to get here. Well, actually, they all wait for me to get here because I'm always late in the morning, but that's a different story. <laughs> we meet at 9.30. And some of you, if you're new here, if you'd like to go to a Bible study, we, we, what we do is we go through a book of the Bible. We're in 2 Corinthians right now. We just go verse by verse. There's no agenda. If you miss two weeks, come back. We're still in God's Word. So I just invite you to really come, in, come into this. If you don't know Jesus, he's really something to know. He will knock your socks off. And you will never be the same in a good, very, very, very good way. Right on. And everyone in your family will be joyful for the fact that you have changed dramatically. And you will be a light at that house. If your, your children will be different. And it's generational. So I'm just saying, if right now, if you don't know Jesus and you're kind of curious and you're getting a little pull, a little nudge, that's the Holy Spirit saying, come on, I brought you into the front door for a reason. A reason you may not have really fully understood when you came through that door, but today's the day. And I'm gonna ask that you get with either Rick or I or, or, or Linda and say, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do next. What do I do? Or if you, you don't wanna kind of like stand out in the crowd, that connect card everybody got, put down there, what's my next step? Put your name and a way of contacting you, whether it be email or whatever, whatever's easiest. If you like text, please put text and put your phone number. We'd love to talk to you. So let's close in prayer. As the worship team gets ready. Lord, I just thank you that God isn't mad at us. He's just madly in love with us. He's radical. He's, you're crazy. You're compassionate. Your mercy is unbelievable. Your forgiveness is beyond all bounds. I waited till I was 45. And now I'm 65. These 20 years have been the greatest years of my life. You saved a marriage. You saved my life. And now you've blessed me with eternal life, which means it starts the day I say yes to you, that I have a new life in my heart. And Lord, I thank you for this. I thank you for every single person that's here today. Ones I don't know by name, help me get to know them. Ones I do know, help me to continue to love them more. And those that have some crazy quirks and idiosyncrasies, well, actually, that's me. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for everything you do. We ask that your blessing and grace will pour into us so that we have more than enough to pour out to others. So that we can make your very presence known in everywhere we go. So that when we step into our workplaces, when we step back just home to watch the TV, 
that they know that heaven has stepped into that building. And his name is Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.